So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But you, but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. What's up, everybody? I've got Todd Bumgartner. I hopefully I pronounced that right with Human Predator Pack Mule on today. Uh, did I hack that up or? <laughs> No, dude, you got it. You got it. Uh, so, uh, Todd, tell everybody, you know, one, great having you on. I appreciate you hopping on. But um, I actually have never, that I can remember, talked to you, maybe messaged or something. But I've had some people I've guided that use your program. A buddy of mine is really good buddies with your partner, which is what sparked me to remember what you guys offered. He had posted something. Cody Cubby's got a sheep hunt coming up. And I was like, fuck, a couple years ago, I was trying to, I wanted to get you guys on the podcast and spaced it off. So this morning reached out to you. Here we are. Um, so tell everybody about yourself, what you offer, and let, we'll start talking about fitness and fat shaming. <laughs> yeah, no, well, first of all, like I, I appreciate it a lot, man. I've always really respected like the way that you present yourself and, and all of the different means and everything. And I just, I appreciate the opportunity. So thanks, man. Um, yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm a career strength and conditioning coach. So I've been a strength and conditioning coach for 17 years. Uh, I have a gym here in Virginia. Uh, it's called Beyond Strength. And then I, uh, another gig I have is I work with a, a tier one unit. So I work with all of the guys in their qual course and just try to keep them in one piece, like through the 11 months that they're going and doing all the things that they need to do to get onto uh, their teams. And then obviously I run Human Predator Pack Mule. And Human Predator Pack Mule is an online training service for, for hunters, for backcountry, for mountain hunters. And we've been uh, getting into the upland space, too, for all the guys that like to go out and just chase mountain quail and chucker and all that kind of stuff. And uh, started that in 2019. And we have, like, a bunch of different options of how we work with people. And I just saw it as, like, a need, man, because, like, I, uh, I was getting into my first – elk hunt i was trying to get a tag in wyoming and so like just uh being a coach like I've, I've always just put a lot of value in trying to learn from other people and and trying to um use their wisdom and there's somebody that's done this before me and i went looking around like the hunting industry and i just like didn't really see anything that i liked so i was like well i guess i got to do this for myself and so i just started doing it and documenting it and wrote a few articles for the journal of mountain hunting and just had people start to reach out. And I was like, you know what, like if I'm doing this for myself and, and people are interested, I think I maybe ought to make this into something. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, um, I was talking, uh, with a, a friend of mine, he works with me here, uh, this morning, he's a big fitness guy. And the, the one thing, like, as I've gotten older, I kind of, I'm like a, I don't know you want to call it one trick pony, you know, I kind of do what I do and it's worked for me. Um, yeah. but I haven't, um, when you, you know, when you're from out West, it's a lot easier to be prepared for out West. Cause you know, you're hiking all the time and I go to the gym and I'm oh, like, yeah. but I, you know, when I've had a few people message me about comments over, I don't know, the last few years, something, a post you guys have made, whether it was you or your partner. And one of them was, uh, you know, backpack cardio is not enough. Something, something, something. And I had people message me about that. And I'm like, well, I mean, he's right. I just do, I don't like doing cardio. And when I say cardio, running, I am not a runner. 
and intervals backpack, but, but, but just backpack cardio while it's important. I mean, is it enough? You'll get the job done, but you will not be at the peak level you could be. So talk a little bit about that post about your thoughts on backpack hunting and what you offer that kind of, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I I think the biggest thing is like, yes, being efficient under load is like super important. We have to be able to ruck essentially for miles and miles with, I don't know if your day packs 30, 30 pounds, it shouldn't take that much from you. And you should be able to pack in and out with, I mean, not being an idiot, but 80 to a hundred pounds is, is not, uh, out of the realm of possibility. So it's important, but I think the thing is, is like people get so hung up on it and they hyper-focus on it so much that they spend so much time doing it that they neglect all of the other things that will help them. Like, I think it freaks people out, especially like guys from the East, like, like me, because they're like, oh man, I don't want that pack out to kill me. And I wanted to be ready for it. So like, they just like dial in on that and then ignore everything else. But what they don't realize is that like all of these other modes of conditioning are important and like lifting, going to the gym, general strength is going to improve your relative strength. So every time that you rock, every time that you do backpack cardio, it's going to cost you less because you're stronger. So the stronger you are relative to your body weight, the less every action costs. And so I think that, guys try to focus in on backpack cardio at the expense of everything else when they're doing themselves a disservice. And like, so for example, there's this guy, um, Mike Provost, I think is how you say his name. And he, he's a, like a, a physiologist in, in different realms in the military. And he did some research at the Naval Academy where he tested different loads and efficiency. And he was trying to figure out like why all these big, strong guys, could just outruck the little dudes, but all of the little dudes could just burn the guys on the runs. And so there was this carryover, right? And so what he found was, is like 20% of body weight is about the bottom of where you can start to use to build efficiency. And so like rucking with weights around there is typically plenty for you to start to train to be ready for a hunt. But then what he also found is like, once you get good at rucking and you can like keep your heart rate down while you do it, it doesn't cost you that much that you don't need to do it as often anymore. Like once a week is typically enough. And so I think so, that's kind of the, the essence of what we were getting at. Yeah. And I want to touch on that. Cause that's something actually, uh, I got Matt Chan. He's a CrossFit, you know, freak of nature athlete. And he was telling me, you know, just cause of wear and tear on my knees and body and whatever, all the other dumb shit I've done that, you know, I would be smarter because my like longevity of doing this, my body is adapted or to it, which is why when I backpack, it is a really extremely difficult for my heart rate to get over a hundred. Now, if I run, oh, dude, yeah, I can get my heart, but just even uphill, my heart, you know, it takes a lot. So I started mountain biking and I, I've always done a lot of lunges and I quit doing a lot of Olympic lifts. Um, as I've gotten older, I do a lot more air squats, lunges, dips, pull-ups, shit like that. Right. I, whatever, you know, core, yeah. core workouts. But what I have found now is I don't, I don't do as much backpack cardio now. Um, I go hiking, right. But I don't do backpack 
cardio, but what I do try and do is more of a base mile type thing. Keep finding things that keep my heart rate up a little higher that are lower impact. Um, so as I say that, talk a little bit about that with longevity. Like I get oh, yeah, that one yeah. a lot. Like what's the best workouts for longevity? So longevity dude is, is really it's maintaining your movement capacity, which is like access to as much joint healthy joint range, range of motion as possible in the broadest base of movements as possible. So your joints to just function how they're supposed to function. On top of that, it's maintaining some muscle mass. So it's like, I think that's a, another thing where a lot of hunters try to uh, trade off for other things, but like carrying muscle mass is going to give you longevity because the first thing that goes is your fast twitch muscle fibers. And so if like, if you want to do this when you're old and, and be able to generate the power that you need to generate, or even just be able to catch yourself if you trip, like you got to have some muscle mass. Um, and those are the two big things. And then the third thing is aerobic capacity, which it sounds like you have a ton of, like if, if it takes you that much to get your heart rate up, you have an incredible aerobic base. And so like when it comes to longevity, those are the three things. Now, like being smart with the intensity of your lifting is important. And then also like, like you talked about, man, like hopping on your mountain bike, um, whatever it is that allows you to get that aerobic development, they're typically general adaptations. So you don't have to do like super specific stuff most of the year round. And that's going to keep you from like putting stuff on your, putting a bunch of shit on your joints. So if it's like getting on the rower, getting on the bike, riding your mountain bike, whatever it is that allows you to build your aerobic capacity and maintain it. And that's typically somewhere in like the 100 to 150 uh, heart rate range. Like that's what's going to really promote longevity, those things. Yeah. And, you know, when I talk about a lot of this, you know, I base some of these conversations off the dumber shit and smarter shit that I've done and then explain that. Like I used to train with really heavy weight, both in the gym and backpack cardio, which I strongly suggest for people not to do. Um, I, I have found that 45 pound, 35 to 50 is good for training. Um, and occasionally throw a hundred pounds on and do a small amount with it just so you know what it feels like, right? Like what you're getting into. Okay. So that, that's not shitty advice then. That's guess what I was getting at. No, dude, that's, that's like, dude, that's like spot on. So like we, that's essentially, that's where like that 20 to 30% body weight is going to be for most people. And it's like, it's like, uh, it's like the difference between practice and the game, right? Like if you played football or anything like that, like if you had smart coaches, they didn't have you smacking pads all week. So when it got to Friday or Saturday, you were beat to hell. Like you wanted half speed. You knew what you're supposed to do. You practice where you're supposed to be on the field. And it's like really akin to that. But then like, like you said, with um, getting used to the weight, doing something that does get you used to the weight, we use something called high intensity continuous training, which is like, essentially using relatively heavy loads over a long time, but doing it in such a way that like your fast twitch muscle fibers are trained aerobically. So you see a lot of guys put on their pack and do step ups, but they just go over and over again. Well, in this method, it's like you do one step up on one side, wait four to five seconds, step up on the other side, wait four to five seconds. And you only really need like a 12 inch box. And so that's like a really safe way to get acclimated to heavier loads without going out and and beating the piss out of yourself on the trail. 
Gotcha. So, you know, when, when, before we get into the gym side of, of things on the, the cardio backpack, cardio, uh, you know, VO2, like when people are living back East and this is a question I get a lot, you know, cause I, mm-hmm. I don't, <clears throat> at the risk of, of sounding, I'm, I, as I say this, please keep in mind people that I've also said I'm a horrible runner, uh, and I'm lazy about that, but I genetically or something with my lung and heart capacity, whether that's from living at higher altitude, whatever it is. And, and Danny Ferris was talking about this the other day. My heart rate does not, it takes a lot for my heart rate to go up when it comes to just hiking, just backpacking, right? Like sure. it, it, it just, it, and I don't get lactic acid buildup very easy. I've had my VO2 max checked and it's abnormally high for someone who doesn't run. Um, and I have never right. run. I fucking hate running like you and three other men with guns. I'm not running. Right. I'm like, eh, just, shoot. <laughs> uh, but, but, but there's something to be said for finding what niche works for you, which is what I'm bringing up here. Um, yeah. I have always been able to live at high altitude. I've always been at high altitude in the mountains and I've always catered my workouts and training. Well, not always once I got done powerlifting to backpack hunting. And so, I live out West though. So that's easier for me. So for people back East that don't have Hills and things like that, you know, I've talked about doing intervals like telephone pole runs and go to the bleachers, throw some weight on your pack, do that. Um, you know, really working on, uh, mobility or I don't know what the technical, basically you're not walking on flat ground and you're not walking on flat ground uphill. A lot of side Hills, a lot of muscles you may not be moving. It also toughens your feet up a lot of core workouts, Things like that. But I'm also not a, a personal trainer. What do you suggest for people that don't have the mountains? You know, some guys were wearing those masks for a while, which other than just getting used to pain and torture, I don't know that they really fucking helped your cardio wise. But, wow. you know, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, the, I mean, well, you're right. The masks don't really do shit. But the the best thing somebody out east can do is is really just make their aerobic system as robust as possible. And that means spending enough time to train aerobic capacity, which like what we were talking about before is uh, that heart rate kind of hundred to one fifty for most people. And then layering on top of that more intense aerobic conditioning. And because really I don't have a, like a ton of research that I was going to tell you this, but like we're coming from an, uh, an environment that has more pressure. So we have more access to oxygen and then going to an area where there's not as much pressure, not as much access to oxygen, we need to be able to utilize it as much as possible. So that means doing the stuff like at your local musculature to, to change, to train it, to use a lot of uh, oxygen, but also with your heart and lungs. And so all of the things that you recommended with like getting on side hills, getting on terrain, getting your body used to being in these angles so it doesn't stress them out is hugely important. That's, I, I really like that advice. But then also doing things like if folks want to look it up, there's this like a concept called tempo training, which trains your slow twitch muscles to be bigger. Right. And so like your slow twitch muscles is where most of like the, the things that cause fatigue are cleared. Like you mentioned lactic acid. So if you train your slow twitch muscles to be bigger, you have better access to the things that are going to clear lactic acid and improve your ability to fight fatigue. And so really it comes down to, yes, do the intervals, things like you're talking about. You got to train at both um, ends of the spectrum, intensity, high intensity, and low intensity. 
But I think the biggest mistake that guys make, especially coming from out east, is they don't give themselves enough time. And so they panic. And then they think that they can make up all this ground by just murdering themselves all summer. And it doesn't work that way. And so it's like really what it's going to take is giving yourself months and months and months of working on your aerobic capacity and never really losing it. And that's what's really going to prepare you for being able to go out west and, and, and do well. So with, uh, make sure I, I don't want to skip anything here. So when you're, when somebody's, um, rewinding just a little bit, you were talking about that 20%, yeah, yeah. um, you know, for, um, body weight train or, or pack training 20% of your body weight. So hundred pounds, 20 pounds, 200 pounds, 40 pounds. What would your suggestion be? Um, and this is a sticky situation cause we all, you know, for on the dude side, we all have big dicks and we want to show everyone how tough yeah, we are. Exactly right. And we lie about that a lot on social media for a pack Absolutely. out. Um, some people genetically are able to carry more weight than others. You talked about with, um, I, and I sent you a text actually, if you can check that real quick, but with some of the military sure. people you work with on the, you know, testing or whatever, there are some small guys that can carry a ton of weight, but generally that, uh, the build of you or me that let's say five ten to six foot one, six to 180 to 220, 170 to 220 range, from my experience, those guys can haul some fucking weight, right? Like they're, they're, right. that's their, you know, that's, that's the wheelhouse to be a pack mule. With that though, there is a, a point where you are taking years off your life. And believe me, working on getting closer to 50 now, I have done some dumb shit that has taken some years off my life, my knees, my hips, things like that. What should someone's blueprint or, or base number be when they go to pack out an animal? for their body weight to not cause long-term damage. And part of this is sometimes you just need to suck it up, rub some dirt in your crotch and just get to the trailhead. And you might carry more than maybe you physically should be carrying. But what's a base number if they're 180 pounds? What should they try to stay around for packing out? I think 50% of your body weight is fine. Like that, that's the most that I've ever done. And I, I run between 195 and 200. And, and I think it also depends, like, you have to consider the quality of your pack and how well you know how to load your pack. Because that I think that matters just as much um, as, as the weight. Because, like, if you have a good pack with a good low carrier that centers the weight in the middle of your back and keeps it tight to your frame, you can get away with a little bit more. I think you also have to consider the terrain like a few years ago in montana i killed an elk like right at dusk and we were going down through this like gnarly blowdown, and it was super fucking steep and i put over 100 pounds on my back and it was fucking stupid like i could have blown my knee out i could have done all kinds of stupid shit but i was like so worried about like i want most of this meat out tonight and we'll come back and just get a little bit tomorrow and so i think you really have to consider the terrain but i think like right in that 50% of your body weight is, is going to be okay. Especially if the terrain isn't too gnarly, because if you're trained up, if you've got good relative strength, if you're efficient under load, um, then you're probably going to be able to handle that without getting too smoked. Like, and, and thinking long-term and not like, like you said, like waving your dick around and trying to show everybody what you can do. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I, I there's <clears throat> there's a point to this where you um, sometimes you just have to suck it up and dig through it, and then there's other times you have to make yeah. a calculated decision. Is what I'm, you know, saying. And some sure. of some of my calculated decisions, as well as some of my friends, have not been great. Um, a lot of those decisions are I'm too yeah. lazy to come back in. Like I'm doing it in one trip. I'm not. I'm not hiking back up here. But when you when you do that, you need to be very cognizant of the long term or short term potential issues. Meaning, I would say fifty percent is what I've always told people. You know, stay around fifty. Yeah. And that that should be if you're of any if you've trained at all if you're any type of an athlete you should be able to handle that. When you push into the Absolutely. 70, 60 to 70% range. So like for me right now, we'll just, whatever, I'm 215, but we'll say 200 pounds. So 140 pounds, 70%. At 140 pounds, the high, the probability of you snapping an ankle, tearing an ACL, breaking a bone is much, much higher. And, and the problem is, is if you also have a weak core and you're doing this. So let's say you've done all the cardio in the world, but your core is not weak or your core is not strong. That core has a lot to do with balance and recovery. Um, and I want, I, I'm not a fucking doctor, so I'm going to have you take this from me for a minute. But when you're off balance with 140 pounds, if you don't have a core built like a rock, you're going to have a harder time recovering and that can cause you to snap things in half. And so that portion of this is Absolutely. also something to take into consideration. But to talk about that, like when you're pushing into that 70% range or, or of your body weight, What's the first thing you think would break? Uh, you know, what are some of the adverse effects like like that pack out you had? It's not that difficult to snap an ankle with, you know, 140 pounds on your back. No. Well, I think the, the, the biggest thing is like, is yes, it's, it's about core strength, but it's also about stability. And, and when we say stability, it means like, what does your core do without you having to think about it? And a lot of that is, how stable are you on your feet? Like, can you keep the weight in the middle of your foot? Like when you're just standing there without having to actively like try to clench your glutes or shift your weight, like, can you just naturally hang out in the middle of your foot? And, and that's a big aspect of everything because like feed that forward and put 70% of your body weight. And that exponentially raises the stress on all of your joints it, in uh, on your vestibular system. And think about like, the weight's on your back. It wants to pull you backwards, so you have to counteract and pull it forward. So it wants to pull you into your heels and pull you off balance. So the first thing that's going to go is, like, your hip stability. Like, are your hips in good enough shape to do that? And then from there, like, do you have the core strength? Because, like, yes, the conscious ability to hold yourself in position is important, but, like, we have to be able to do it reflexively or automatically first. And, and if you don't have that, like you're still at a higher risk and a higher propensity of like putting yourself in a shitty position and being able to fall. And that's like one of the things that um, I think that really does people a disservice when they just hyper focus on, on backpacking to be ready to, for backpacking is they don't really develop or maintain their athleticism. And that's also what's going to save your ass in a bad situation or prevent you from getting into a bad situation because you understand how to move, use your leverage, put your body in good positions to be able to make sure that it doesn't happen. Now, and I, I, uh, I, you know, obviously agree with everything that you're talking about and, and the only reason why I'm trying to put this into context of seasons coming up and, and you're going to, people are going to be forced with, 
doing things that they're uncomfortable with, they've never done before, sleep deprivation, um, you know, obviously yeah. H2O, water deprivation, um, maybe not, you know, cognitive skills, cognitive skills being out the window a little bit because they've been beaten on. And then next thing you know, they got an animal on the ground. There's a high level of adrenaline and they may start making some dumb choices. And so, you know, for me, no matter what your body weight, unless you're just a midget, you know, somewhere around 70 to 80 is a safe number, like generally for packing out. Um, Now, if you throw 80 pounds on your back while you're training and you're one of those people that can handle a lot of weight and it's fine and what, you know, bump it up. But the, the thing is, is, People, and you talked about this focus, people focus on the wrong things or too much of one thing all the time. And that's not just fitness. They may focus yeah. on shooting and not focus on fitness at all. May focus on fitness and not really focus on field craft or animal Shoot. behavior. When you talk about fitness, though, and we're talking about cardio a lot here, when you go to strength training and, yeah. you know, we're bouncing all over the board here. But I've always said this is a general rule of thumb is if I want six pack abs because I'm a fat kid, I have to work Mm. twice as hard as somebody that's genetically, you know, you have the three endomorph, ectomorph, esomorph, whatever. Some guys can't get big, right? They're just little their whole life. They have to work 10 times harder than I do to gain muscle and size. If you're a fat bucker like me, I have to work 10 times harder to remain halfway fit. To gain size, though, we'll start that one. You know, somebody's looking at, you know, um, in this fitness thing, they're looking at your program and they're just wanting to pack on some some size away from backpack hunting. Just just look at your sure. program. They want to gain muscle. For somebody that's born a stick figure, what are their what what are your recommend recommendations? Because, you're t- you know, most people you're talking about fast twitch, slow twitch muscles, Um you know, you'll see guys with giant biceps. Some guys have longer biceps. It's harder to get them to look that massive look because they have a longer, longer bicep or a longer muscle. Anyway, talk about kind of touch on these things, especially just tacking on mass. Dude, it's, 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 it's really fucking simple. It's volume and calories. Like that's, that's how you get bigger. Now, like, of course you want to raise, like raising your strength ceiling is going to allow you to do more work and like use more weight relatively, which is going to help you put on more weight. Uh, put on more muscle, but like there's research that says like using down to like 30% of your, of your one rep max, like is still going to put muscle mass on you if you use the appropriate amount of volume. So really the biggest thing with muscle mass is accruing volume over time and being in a caloric surplus. So eating more than your body's burning. And so if you're like a hard gainer or somebody like that, like the biggest thing is to at least have an approximation of how many, what, what your caloric burn is at rest, like what's your basal metabolic rate, and then eat more than that and eat to support your activity so and then hold, do a lot of volume. Like that, that's it. Hold on one sec. So the basal metabolic rate, talk about that. That's just basically what your body naturally burns in calories, but talk about that and how to get that tested. And it's super easy. People do it all over. Yeah. I mean, the easiest thing is like, you have to do a, like we, we use a piece of equipment called Panoe. Um, I, at my gym, we have it. I don't use it for human pack mule and you just lay down and rest and through gas exchange, it figures out how much your, your basal metabolic rate is. There are some decent calculators online. Um, I'm not, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but like they can get you into a close ballpark. And then you really just have to pay attention, you know, and like, that's where cut like tracking comes in 
and like really seeing how much you're eating, what your weight gain is like getting on the scale and tracking. So like the biggest thing, it's just like anything else. It's whether you're running a business or, you know, you're shooting or whatever it is, what gets measured gets managed. And so if you're really concerned with putting on weight, the best thing you can do, track your calories, track your training volume, track what you're eating, all of that kind of stuff and see where all the circles cross. And then that way you can know where you need to adjust. Gotcha. So, um, I definitely simplified my advice was eat like a starving, uh, or, or lift, <laughs> lift like an ox, eat like a starving grizzly and sleep, uh, you know, like uh, a bear going into its den. Cause you know, recovery wise, if you're trying to tack on mass and when I have, have talked to some of the guys, I'm like shit that I have to stay away from like orange juice, right? Not, not my friend. Um, eating avocado, like crazy fat, crazy protein, carbon, like you, they can pretty much eat whatever they want within reason. I mean, you don't want to eat fucking gummy worms or whatever, but within reason where when you look at on the other side of the fence for somebody that's a naturally, maybe more of a fat kid, tax on size easy, but is hard to, you know, to cut the workout program is just like a skinny dude, but in reverse, the workout program is part of it but the diet is far more important than even the workout program from my experience. Oh dude, with a million percent, like we had, uh, I used to run this program called strength faction and it was a, a program for other personal trainers and we trained them and did education, all kinds of shit. And so we had this one guy that was working with us that was a jujitsu player and he wanted to put on 10 pounds to, cause he knew he was going to have to get up and cut weight and do everything that he did. And then we had this other guy that wanted to lose, 35 pounds wasn't super fat, but he wanted to, wanted to lean out. These guys did the exact same fucking training program and had opposite results. So like when it comes to body composition and whether you need to lose weight or gain weight, really your nutrition and your lifestyle is what's going to do most of that for you. So let, let's talk about the nutrition aspect of this because, um, and, and it, I'm sure I come off, uh, you know, keep in mind, I'm a recovering fat kid. I was a fat fucker for a while, so I can fat shame and you can't give me any shit about it. <laughs> when when people ask like, hey, uh, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I've been struggling with my diet. I'm not losing weight. I'm like, okay, what are you eating? Uh, 1,600 calories a day. They list, give me their list and they're like, but man. They're still, eating more than that. Oh, I'm like, dude, you are fucking lying to me. Do not lie to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is not going to work. Yeah. And I used to do the yeah. same thing. The base idea I had in the morning was great. What I executed by dinner was totally, you know, I was, I was fallible. Like, uh, well, there's a thing here and a butterfinger there. And, oh, yeah, I forgot to grab an ice cream or whatever. 1,600 calories I'll eat now in a meal, right? But I'm yeah. diligent about what's going in my body. And there's always, you know, people say, oh, it's just calories in, calories out. Eh, not when you look at inflammation and fucked up knees and a pain in your like gut health and everything else, like, you know, to a certain degree, probably calories in calories out, but I can consume far more food now because I'm eating avocados and elk and eggs in the morning and almonds yeah. and fruit and veggies. But it gets so fucking confusing for people when really the truth is, it's like, Hey, unless it came from the ground or lived off of shit growing out of the ground, don't eat it. If it comes in a wrapper, yeah. don't eat it. Right? When I say that, meaning there is 
dieting is not that hard. It's the discipline to diet that is difficult. So take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I agree, man. And I think that that's why, like, there are certain people that have natural levels of discipline and they can just be like, this is what I need to do. I don't care how fucking boring it is. I don't care how long it takes. I'm committed. I'm going to do it. Um, that's not most people. And so I think what helps most people is to set up their environment so that they can win. You know what I mean? Where it's like build on habits and stuff. So like we, we uh, preach, like, I don't know if you're familiar with precision nutrition, like John Berardi started it. Yep. And then, yeah. So dude, that's like what we preach, like hand portion sizes, work on skills rather than, than working, worrying about macros or anything like that and worry about your food quality. And like the best thing to do is to focus on one at a time, but also just like set up your environment to win. Like, I don't know if you know, there's this guy named BJ Fogg and we like, we all owe him a lot because of behavior change, but we also should probably fucking hate him because the, the people in his class uh, are what, who made Instagram and like made it addictive and shit. So, um, <laughs> but, but, but like he has this thing called a super fridge, man, where it's like, as soon as you get home from the grocery store, you wash your vegetables, you cut them up, you get them set up like in a modular way so that you can just pull them out and use them or cook them as you need throughout the week. You get your protein set up like, and, and it sounds like meal prep stuff and it is, but like you're setting up your environment to win. You like, you take the ice cream and the shit out of your house and you leave it out of your house. Like if you want to have a treat or something throughout the week, that's fine, but you're going to consume way less if it's not just in your face all the time. So if like you focus on habits and skills, you focus up on setting your environment up to win and um, you just do that consistently, that's how you start to win with your nutrition. And I'm the poster child for that because if there's cookies in the house, I will eat them. Like oh, I have yeah, the dude. discipline to not put them in the house. But if someone else puts them, like I've pissed off friends where they've walked in and grabbed cookies or something at the store, like a box of them, and I've just dumped them out the car window. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I will fucking eat every one of those. Like, we cannot have them in the truck. Um, and, and, but, but, but in my, my, my wife's a little bit more of a diet Nazi in the sense of like, we, she's all organic. Um, we don't, you know, the worst thing I eat is those stupid Lynn and Jerry's or whatever the hell are cookies. Um, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Not healthy for you. Dude, um, those, those don't fucking make like, wait, the, the protein one? Yeah. Dude, don't those make you gassier than hell? They well, oh my God, so I, bad. I, I was going to say uh, there, uh, there's two kinds and one of them is horrible. I'm just hitting my stomach. Uh, the other one's not, not bad. And you know, okay. I'm one of the, the guy, I have to have a little something cheat wise, right? Every day. And, and usually it's yeah. one of, it's one of those cookies. The thing is, it's like, you know, people get like super wrapped up on this. Like I said, and it's super easy. Like if it's processed, and you're trying to lose weight, get it out of your house. People are like, what's processed? It's simple. If there is 97 fucking hundred ingredients on that bastard and it's in a bag, it's, it's bad. Well, what if I don't know? Well, when in doubt, get it out, right? Just get it out of the house, right? To me, this is for a fat kid, right? Like, okay, well, I was looking at this keto, whatever, I don't know, whatever bar. Yeah, you know, just put an apple in your fridge, get rid of that bar. Not all bars are bad, yeah. but- if you have the personality that says, if I eat a healthy bar, the chances of my next bar being a Snickers is high, 
try to get that, like you said, setting yourself up for success. So yeah, finding things that like meat and cheese for me is kind of my snack food where I used to eat bars, right? I power protein yeah. bars, whatever. And I just throw a shitload of cheese in my pack in the morning and a bunch of beef jerky or salami or whatever. And I, I snack on that. Yeah. The thing is, is that first two to three weeks of that lifestyle is, is rough on people. Oh yeah. Well, the important thing is, is like what you demonstrate, you have a strategy and, and that's the thing where it's like, you get, I think people get caught up on like this permanence of like, it's either success or failure right now. And that's not how it works. Like you just have to have strategies, strategies that you try that work for you. And, and it's all about doing a little bit of an experiment and learning and then seeing what works and what doesn't. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, try some strategies, see what works and then go from there. But like, as long as like along the lines of the food quality stuff, like the easiest thing to do is just, and this isn't groundbreaking shit. I'm sure people have heard this before, but it's like, it's just like that. Like, like when you tell somebody to read a book, right. And they're like, Oh, I read that book. I didn't get anything out of it. Or like, I just, but I didn't do anything with it. It's like, well, sure. You, you know, the stuff quote unquote, but you don't know it because you didn't do anything with it. And so it's like when people hear something that's familiar and they just disregard it, but like, they didn't do it, but like shop around the edge of the grocery store. Just don't go in the middle. Like your fruit, your meat, your vegetables, all that stuff is typically going to be around the edge of the grocery store. Just stay there. And you're usually in pretty good shape. Yeah. And, and when you talk about like shopping around the edge, that's a good way to look at it. Um, when, when I go to the grocery store, um, you know, when my wife and I, and it, it is boring, right? So we head over to the the meat cheese section and I like Colby Jack cheese. Skin generally get some kind of pepperoni. We have a lot of beef jerky at the house already and salami, um, but get a lot of cheese and then we'll head over. I eat cuties. I like those. So that's kind of a snack treat. Oh, yeah, for me. Um, you know, we have salad. My wife makes salad every night. If you're like me and not a great adult and you don't have a wife, they have pre-made salads that aren't bad. The thing is with the salads, like when, when the grocery, it's probably depending upon what you're trying to do, where you're at with your diet, you should probably use like balsamic vinaigrette and get, get rid of the, the fucking ranch, right? Ranch is make your own. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what, take that, take it from there. Cause that's what's kind of, you can make your own dressing pretty damn good, pretty quick. Oh dude. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like the thing is like, there's just, there's it's being able to balance out the amount of, of fat that you, that you consume is like, it's so easy to take the ranch and just dump that shit all over everything. And then you're consuming way more than you even realize that you are because it's super palatable, right? Like it tastes really fucking good. So taking it, like measuring out an actual serving of olive oil, mixing that with your, your vinegar and then like whatever spices that you want to put in there and mixing it up. And you can make a really good salad dressing without having to get something from the bot the bottle. And it's like, then it's like, it's actually cheaper, right? Because then you have olive oil that you use for, different applications. And then it also, you can use for this one. Yeah. And so the olive oil thing, you know, for example, and this is a weird combo, but I'll take apple cider vinegar, olive oil, apple cider vinegar, olive oil, and then um, basically sea salt, like whatever, uh, the healthier salt. And as weird as that sounds, that's actually pretty damn good. The the problem with- Yeah. Oh yeah. And ranch is delicious. The problem with, with ranch dressing is like you say, it's on the salad. I'm putting, you know, dipping my fries in it or whatever. It's, um, 
it's it's like a what do they call that? Like what is, what is weed considered a gateway drug, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. It's like a protein bar, a ranch. It's a gateway to do other dumb things and can become more undisciplined. So I'm not saying I don't put ranch on things occasionally, but I'm to a point where I know my body well enough that I know, like Jesus, when I'm at honey camp, it's like rumspringer or whatever they call that for the Amish, right? Yeah, I yeah, yeah, for the Amish. yeah <laughs> I like eat whatever the fuck I want. People are like, how do you not weigh 400 pounds? I'm like, you think I eat like this all the time? I look like fucking fat bastard, but I can get away with it for a few <laughs> days, right? And so... The yeah. thing is, is when you get, when you get back, you have to have the discipline to not continue those, those habits. And I, I only bring me up with this because my body fluctuation and I do have to stay disciplined, uh, you know, with the dieting. With that being said, like w- with what we've talked about so far, when I was talking about buying groceries, you talked about walking the perimeter. It is super simple. And and in some people say fresher frozen with veggies and the Bomars went off the deep end and we're like, hey, if you cut a weed, it's or a, you know, cut vegetables, it's bad for you. People get super confusing. And I'm like, look, when people ask me about this and they're really twisting it up, I'm like, look, you're fucking 50 pounds overweight. Don't dive yeah, to the deep end of this. Just fu- Okay, is salad bad? I fucking promise it's not bad for you, right? Like, you know, if they listen to the Bomar podcast or whatever. Um, and they're like, oh, hey, um, you know, whatever. Like, I've heard, um, like, there's a meme about dieting in 2020 or whatever right now where it's like, oh, even water's unhealthy. It's super confusing for people. Eat meat. Yeah, dude. Eat raw almonds. Eat avocados. Have some fruit. Have some veggies. No soda. No processed sugar. Processed carbs. It is that simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and potatoes and, and stuff like that, like all that stuff's good. I, I think the the biggest thing too, man, that like helps people is like you were talking about, like if you try to be totally and fully restrictive with yourself, you're, you're going to find a way to rebel at some point. Like, for example, like I once, like once, twice a year, like I'll track, just kind of see like, how much am I eating? What do I need to eat right now based on everything that's going on? But dude, I only do it for like a few weeks because if I keep going, I just keep find, trying to figure out all these ways to fucking cheat it because I'm naturally an asshole and I just want to see what I can get away with. And so like I have to stop. Like I got dialed in. I know what I need to do and just go back into it. So like, but like fully restricting, like you're, you're going to, you're going to sabotage it at some point. So really like what it comes back to is like thinking about what you value. And it's like how you're eating lining up with what you value. Like if you want to be able to go do your thing in the mountains the rest of your life, if you want to not look like a sack of shit, like if you want to have the energy to perform, be with your kids, hunt, whatever it is that you want to do is what you're doing in line with that. And I think that that like coming back to that kind of question all the time, plus layering the skills and stuff on top of that is what's going to keep you going. And, And like you said, small steps, man, like, Stop worrying about like if this salad is bad as that salad is bad. Like just start, you know? Yeah. And you know, when you talked about the, um, uh, <laughs> well, I don't, I, Jason Phelps is a very good friend of mine, but I'm going to make fun okay. of him because his weight fluctuates like fucking <laughs> Oprah. And I uh, love you, Jason. And uh, the thing is, is what I've found. Uh, and I've got, you know, as I say this, as I make jokes about this and people are like, you're a dick. I'm part of the fucking problem too. Like I have issues 
borderline eating disorder. Like I will fucking eat everything in front of me if I'm not careful. So misery love company, I'm making one of my fun of myself as well with this, right? Like when I ate my first gummy, dude, I woke up and I had a protein bar stuck to my fucking lat the next morning from like not good. Like peanut butter was on the pillow. My wife's like, what the fuck did you do last night? So, but when you go full tilt, like full rip potato chip and I'm, I'm, I'm doing a carnivore diet. Okay. You, that is a very, very uh, good option for shredding weight really fast, but can you sustain that? And if right. you don't stay on that diet, I fucking promise you, you will gain far more back than you lost Absolutely. when you go off the deep end. So having that moderate, happy medium, when I say that, you said it better than I did, but like, I know about the amount I can cheat and I know the discipline I need to have to not have things in the house or whatever. But if I just like tomorrow called like, Todd, I'm going carnivore. I'm going to do it. I'm going to have six pack by December. What there should be a fine print of, yeah, but by June, my six pack will be under eight inches of fucking fat because once I've hit my goal, can I sustain that? Absolutely. The question always is, is like when, when people come to me with stuff like that, it's like, okay, then what? And it's like, because anything's going to work for six weeks. And that's, I don't know if you know Dan John, like the, like the, like he's like the godfather of, of, of strength and conditioning and stuff. It's like, that's always his question. It's like, sometimes you've got to let people just try because the experience is, is the best teacher. It's like, sure, go ahead try it. But then, then what? And I want you to be able to answer that question. And sometimes it takes getting kicked into the gut by trying something like that for people to realize like, okay, that's not going to work. We need to take a better long-term sustainable approach. So let's, let's talk about that long-term sustainable approach a, just a little bit more. So for somebody sure. like right now, um, you know, like I would say like right now, oh, I don't know where I'm at, 215, 218. And I did, I tried to pack on some size in the off season. And I always try to do that a little bit right before season. Cause I'm going to, I'm about to go abuse myself and starve, you know, hunting season, right? I'm out well, there you need for a while. It. You need it. Yep. But I, 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 in the in the off season, um, lifting and things like that, I'll eat a little more, lift a little heavier, whatever. That's not what I'm, you know, for people that know their body and work out or whatever, that's not what I'm talking about. The, the guy that's fluctuating in weight all the time, going up and down quite a bit, you know, oh, I'm going to stop drinking. I, then I start back up and, you know, I'm 20 pounds overweight. Then I'm 40 pounds overweight. Then I'm now, nope, I've, I've lost 50. I'm where I want. And then six months later, they're fat again which is a lot of people, a lot of good friends of mine, they have not found that sustainability. And that could be discipline. That could be, who knows, right? But but for the sustainability portion of it on a roadmap, what would your, I'll just give my initial advice and then you give yours. Yeah, my yeah, first, sure. first advice is, hey, you need to cut out if you're drinking any soda. And if you say I'm drinking diet, that's even fucking worse. So don't drink diet or any kind of pop soda, whatever you want to call it. Gatorade, just as bad. You want to cut those sugars, processed sugars out of your, and this is very black and white and rudimentary the way I'm explaining this. Sugar is the devil unless it comes from fruit for me. I don't worry about uh, natural sugar from fruit, things like that. So you, um, uh, um, hold on one sec. Text me. Yeah, man. Um, sorry. And 
So I just say cut out soda, cut out sugars, things like that. And if you're going to eat anything on the on the carb side, try to eat like a sweet potato or a yam and then find what craves your appetite and then try to keep your caloric intake at least even with your basal metabolic rate um, initially. And when I say that, like me, I think I'm at 2,700 calories a day if I don't do anything. So I try to eat around 2,700 calories a day. Um, and then I, on the the fasting portion of this, people have really gotten into the intermediate intermittent fasting or whatever. And I'm just like, you know what? Just don't eat till you're hungry. You don't have to eat when you wake up. If you're hungry at 10 a.m., eat when you're at 10 a.m. And then I say, hey, try to keep the caloric intake per meal in that 250 to 300 smaller meals consistently throughout the day. Um, you know, general, that's just general info I give people, give your spiel. And, and if that's stupid advice. Uh, no, I don't think, I, I think there is a plethora of things that work. And I think the biggest thing is for people to be open to experimentation to make sure that they find out what works for them. And, and I like, I think the longest term thing to really think about is just like anything else, man. Like, you don't start bombing arrows accurately at 75 yards by just ripping your bow back and letting it go, man. Like you work on all of the skills and all of the things that you need to do beforehand to be able to shoot farther and nutrition training, everything in life works like that. And so small steps first, you know, like, like you talked about, like, okay, so one thing at a time, maybe we're drinking too much soda. We start by just removing soda. There you've just, you've just cut out 600 calories out of your day. Then we start working on how much protein we're eating. Then we work on our carb sources. Then we work on eating more vegetables. Then we work on these things. And then as you do this, you start to layer it. You layer the skills on top of each other. And then you start to see that like there is this wholesale change. But it comes from starting small, focusing small, and building skills and habits that turn into things that are easy to do. Where I think that's a lot of the time where people run into things, they think they should just be able to do things and they create, you know, all of this friction in their lives. And then they get frustrated because they're just not able to do it. Where it like comes back to what we talked about before. It's like, well, are you setting yourself up for success with your environment? So like building these skills, focusing on one thing at a time, improving quality one bit at a time, then you start to completely overhaul your lifestyle. Like we have a guy at our gym that Jesus over the past, I don't know, uh, six months, he's lost 40 pounds and he looks like a completely different dude. And, and he didn't do anything crazy, man. Like he, he started by drinking more water. He got his protein portions in check, vegetables, all of his other portions in check. And here's something else that like, I think that a lot of hunters are like tough guys or guys that want to swing their dick with poo poo is he focused on his activity level every day? And that's where it's like, it's so funny. We're like, I hear a lot of guys like, well, I have a sheep hunt or I have a goat hunt and I want to do this and I would be in shape. And like, I check in on how many steps they're taking a day and they're like kind of poo poo. And they're like, well, that doesn't matter. It's like, well, you can't walk around all day in your regular life, but you expect to walk up a goddamn mountain. Like that, these things aren't equating, but like that's, that's another thing too. It's like, if you're constantly increasing your activity level and maintaining it, over the long term, that's going to help you sustain your weight loss. It's going to make you healthier. It's going to make you feel better. It's like, dude, I've been training my entire life. I've, I obviously train hard. I do the things that we do for human pedopathic. 
And I, I have, I know my step count every fucking day and it's just doing those kind of things that make it easy, that build habits, that make it sustainable. That's what allows you to do it over the long term. So the step count, um, I have a, a few different Garmin watches, um, like the instinct solar is one of the cheaper versions that'll, that'll get it done. And, um, I, I suggest, to, I'm not saying get that watch. You probably have a better idea of the good ones, but, um, for the step count portion of it, and then any kind of a heart rate monitor you can keep on you. Yeah. Um, the, the one I have is kind of accurate, um, on the Garmin. The, the thing that's important with that, like you said, the step count, right? You, having yeah. that goal, right? Whatever that goal may be. Like I, I would say you should try to put 10,000 steps on the ground every day. My personal opinion, yeah. I may be way off, but I think 10,000 is a realistic goal. Yay or nay on that one. Oh yeah. Uh, it starts at like the, the health benefits and stuff started like 7,500, but then like having like, so if you're at 6,000 getting to 6,500 next week and then building from there is going to be good. But like the research goes from like 7,500 up to like 17,000. It's like, that's what they track. But like, yeah, 10,000, I know it's like what people say. And it's a good number. Like if you can shoot for that a day, you have a really good activity level. So and the same thing on the heart rate side, and this helps you become a lot more efficient long-term. And when I say long-term meaning in the field, like I know where my heart rate needs to stay before I'm running on borrowed time. And people are like, what do you yeah. mean? And I'm like, I know my body well enough that I keep my heart rate all the time be below a specific number. And, and when I go above that number, how long that I'm at that Absolutely. heart rate that I, one of the reasons that, that I've done this long enough that I'm as good on day 10, 11, 12 as I am on day one is keeping track of that. Now, let's say you're not in as good of shape. That's easy enough. You walk slower, right? And, and this is longevity Absolutely. building up to be able to walk faster. So like if you and I, um, you know, go out and it's a day hunt. Yeah, you can pretty much do whatever you want and kill yourself for a day. I'm talking long term, yeah. right? So if you yeah, and yeah, I yeah. go on a backpack hunt together um, and uh, let, let's just throw in an, uh, a guy that I, I hunted with or, or came out and hunted with us, that Dustin Chitling. He's very, he's an athletic guy. He's fit. So all three of us go. Now, let's say we go blind. We've met on the internet, no homo, and we're meeting to go out hunt out west. Um, <laughs> and I don't know where I am at in comparison to, to you guys as far as my fitness level. So once you, if you, this happens every year, if you all go in, three guys, you haven't really hunted together, someone's going to get the shit into the stick of that. Someone's burning out fast and running on borrowed time normally. Yep. So you always want to pick your hunting partners to have somewhat equal cardiovascular level that you are. If not, when you're hiking in, for example, and let's say it's a five-mile hike in, let's say Todd can keep his heart rate at 120 and his legs are longer than mine. And Dustin, he's got to keep his a little bit lower, you know, lactic acid buildup, he burns out. Well, then both of your legs are longer than mine and I can only keep my heart rate at 100 and when I say this, meaning after that, I'm running on borrowed time long term. All of that, that watch is telling me. That watch is my God. I'm watching that watch constantly. I can tell also by the way I feel. And if you guys just hike ahead of me, it's better to you to hike ahead and me catch up than it is for me to peter out on day three. Um, I'm doing a bad Absolutely. job probably explaining this. Take it from there. No, I think you're doing a good job. No, I, I think that that's super important. Um and I think that that's like to just like layer something on top of it. 
in most instances, it's not a fucking race, man. You know what I mean? And I think that that's where people put a lot of pressure on themselves, both on the hike in and on the pack out. And that's like something I meant to mention. We were talking about that. It's like, yeah, dude, like it's, it's not a race. You don't have to fly down the trail with a hundred pounds on your back. You just move at a pace that allows you to move, but you're absolutely right about knowing uh, heart rate because you're going to use different types of fuel. If you can keep your heart rate lower, you're going to be focusing most on aerobic metabolism. So like uh, uh, mostly burning fat, way more sustainable. You have way more fat calories. You're going to be able to continue on for however long you want. Whereas like if you get your heart rate up, you're going to start getting into more anaerobic metabolism. You're going to start burning more carbs and you're going to fatigue faster. So absolutely a million percent. And so really pacing yourself to make sure that you have that longevity is important. Now, if you don't have a watch, one of the things that you can really pay attention to is your respiration rate. So like if you're able to easily breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth, you're probably good. You're probably at a, a, a low enough heart rate that, excuse me, that you're still mostly burning fat. Now, if you start getting up to the point where you're huffing and puffing, you're probably, you're probably in, you're putting yourself in a bad position, right? And so absolutely moving at a pace that allows you to keep your heart rate down and stay mostly where you're most efficient with burning, um, burning fat and using aerobic energy systems, then, then anaerobic is going to be important. And, and another, uh, I mean, it's the heart rate is different for everybody. Like everybody's zones are different, but like a very simple um, guide that people can use, especially for training is mass maximum aerobic function and so that's from phil maffetone who's like a he trained a bunch of endurance athletes back in the day and so that number is 180 minus your age so if you're especially if you're not a, like done a, if you haven't done a ton of aerobic capacity training keeping yourself at 180 minus your age throughout most of your conditioning is going to be hugely beneficial for you because you're going to build that efficiency you need mostly burn fat and use aerobic energy when you're doing your hike-ins. So when, uh, I'm add a little bit to this. I, I, I think people are getting the idea here. The one thing is like, Hey, okay, well, how do I figure that out? The, the number, I think it used to be 220 minus your age and 70 per, I can't remember what the fuck it was, the, the mathematical calculation. Yeah. The, the thing is, is actually getting out and, you know, putting some miles on the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And kind of learning where you're at. And you'll hear like you were talking about in through your nose, out through your mouth. So if you ever hunt with me and, and I'm watching somebody on a stock and they're making a climb and I'm looking at them in the spotter, you'll hear me say things like, oh, that's not good. He's mouth breathing like a motherfucker. That's he's running on borrowed time. Yeah. Yeah. He's not doing overly well. And people are like, well, oxygen's oxygen. Bring it, breathe in through your nose, your mouth. What's the difference? Well, for me, what it boils down to is, go ahead, take it. You'll you'll explain it better than me. No, no, no. I, I, please, man. I, I listen. Like you, you hunted more than fucking anybody I know of. So I'd love to hear what you have to say. Well, so here's the, <laughs> there's a few things you got to think about this if it's on a stock, and I've brought this up for assessing the situation and and really picking and pulling the pros and cons. Is it better to go slower with the animal potentially? having a potential to move out of its bed, but executing a better shot or getting there faster and breathing so fucking hard that they're going to hear you or you'll miss from your heart rate. Uh, anyway, 
one of the ways to tell that you're under controlled breathing on your stock is if you can do that, that climb, when I say stock, not the red zone, the physical portion of it. If you're breathing through your nose and out your mouth the entire time, you're more than most likely going to execute a far better shot than if you're mouth breathing the last half of it. Um, and so that's what I, I, I will tell people like, hey, try to focus on into your nose, out to your mouth the entire time and in controlled breathing. Don't get to the point where your mouth breathing so hard and you can hear your heartbeat in your eardrum because you may have gotten there fast. Your legs will be wobblier because your VO2, your lactic acid buildup. You're not going to be able, when you go in on that final approach for the stock, there's a lot of core movement and, and tedious leg work of going to your toes, really going slow, crouching, things like that, that you will not be able to do if you've been mouth breathing the entire way. And so keeping that control, and people don't think about that because that last 50 yards could take you 30 minutes. And when I say that meaning, yeah, I may have to like crab, when I say crab walk, like crouch walk, you know, and, and lactic acid buildup will make those legs shake and you will not be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, that's, that's a million percent spot on. And, and I, so I've, I've always said like, and please tell me if you think I'm wrong about this, I would actually, I would love to hear your opinion. Like when I see people doing burpees or whatever and getting their fucking heart rate up and then shooting their gun and then shooting their bell, like, I think it's the, I think it's stupid. Like, I don't think it is, it carries over to what we do. Cause like, first of all, like if your heart rate's that high, should you shoot? Like you really have to ask yourself that question. And then like the second thing is, is like a lot of times when our heart rate jumps, when we're hunting, like if we did all of the other things that we should have done, like you just talked about, our heart rate's not rising from the physical activity. It's rising from the stress of the situation. So like doing a bunch of burpees and stuff doesn't necessarily replicate that. Like putting yourself, putting yourself in pressure filled situations in other ways might but I just really don't see how that carries over. Like, that's my opinion. It never made much sense to me, but I would, I would love to hear what you think. No, I mean, and as I say this, look, everybody don't be mad at me and Todd, you do your thing. I'm, I'm proud of you. And I, I think it's awesome. I could give two shits about burpees, flipping tires and making a shot. I don't fucking care. Exactly. I don't. And I'm yeah. sure I'm going to get emails about this and, and I'm super good friends with like Dan Staten and uh, he's a physical freak, a very good friend of mine. They do stress tests or whatever. What we do in our camps is more a common sense approach, meaning, okay, here's your animal. Here we are. Uh, plan your stock. In that plan of that stock, can you go to a point where you can start mouth breathing and then you know when you get to the top of the ridge line, you have 400 yards to get that back under control? That kind of assessment yeah. to know, okay, I can push my body, I can run here. Like I've got a valley floor, I'm going to sprint down this valley floor, right? 150 yards before I make the climb, I'm going to slow down to a walk, get my heart rate under control again. I'm going to make that climb. Heart rate's going to rise. I've got a 400 yard. I got to make a left. I got 400 yards down this ridge line. I can go fast for the first 200, slow down for the next hundred. That last hundred, I'm going to be creeping. And by that time, my heart rate should be back to a manageable number. That is what I like to see. You make me do burpees for yeah. five minutes and make a shot. I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Like, why would I do that? Exactly. And I have killed a lot of shit exactly. and I have never been in that position. Now I've had my heart rate up and had to make a shot, 
that portion I, I I get like that happens, but more than most likely, if you're done your job, you shouldn't have to make a shot like that anyway. Yeah, and and, and like I I, I I love to hear that, and like, but also it's like I think that's where people have to be honest about their skill level. You know, where like you could probably get away with that shot if you have to make it, but a lot of us can't get away with that shot because we don't have the skill to be able to manage that entire environment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, this goes much deeper into than just fitness. And when I say that, I, again, I, sure. If, if what those training programs offer people like that, more power to them. I, this is me and what I have found. And obviously what Todd has found, I'm going to put scenarios here. Um, uh, when I say scenarios, you know, Pat, um, a collective of past experience or whatever. I don't know that I've ever shot a heart, an elk with my heart rate over a hundred. It's feasible. It's certainly possible. And I'm sure people are listening to this say, Oh, I did this. I get that. But what I'm saying more than most often, what happens when you're hunting elk, you hear them bugle, you're going in, they come in calling, you're stopped. The reality is, is that heart rate that is your heart rate being up. And you already said this is from the actual adrenaline of the elk coming in. What you actually did, if it was just you, me, and uh, another guy, really probably wouldn't have brought our heart rate up very high. You know, there's some climbing and things like that that's going to raise the heart rate, but the animals brought that in. And flipping a tire over does not the same as that adrenaline uh, from an animal coming in. I'm I'm not explaining this that well. So, but scenario... You're doing a good job. Well, scenario-wise... Stocking is a good example. And when I say that, meaning getting on a stock and getting to an animal, there's a time you've got to run on a stock. There's a time you got to walk, you got to crawl, you got to do a lot of different things. What you as a hunter need to be able to do, especially one that is trying to be at the peak level that you can be from the ground up is you need to be, that bow needs to be an extension of your body to begin with. So you need to be very proficient with that at whatever heart rate you have, but at a calm heart rate. Then you need to put yourself into a position for bad angles, things like that, you know, side hills, steep shots, whatever, heart rate being normal. Then you need to be able to assess getting to that and where your heart rate would be to make that whatever shot that may be with all the other issues going on. If you just focus flipping a tire over and having your heart rate up or doing burpees and making the shot, that is a fraction of a percentage of what actually matters in comparison to the entire big picture. And this doesn't have anything to do with other camps. And when I say that, again, when you go on a stock, if you can look at the terrain and the topography, it may be that you need to walk at a fast pace the entire time because that's where you need to be at so your heart rate doesn't go up. And the animal may stay there. It may mean you do have to technically run. And when I say run, fast walk, shuffle, but you need to get your ass over there quicker because they may move out of their bed. But you also need to have the common sense to assess where to stop that for your heart rate to go lower. Because I have not been able to quantify doing burpees and shooting in a hunting situation ever for me. Because I've just shot too much shit where it never mattered. And I believe me, I don't do fucking burpees. I don't do them at all. Um, And when I say I hate burpees, I just don't do them. I'm not saying they're bad exercises. I don't like doing them. But what I have found, though, is most of the time when people have missed – It has very little to do with their heart rate, but it has to do with their management of their surroundings, what's going on and making bad decisions and very little to do with the raised heart rate from fitness. I probably fucked that up, but there you go. No, No, dude, that was, that was perfect. That's a, that's, that's a, yeah, that was perfect. 
I'll give you an example. How do fat people kill shit? And a lot of fat guys kill shit. They know their body. They know their, their level. When I say that, meaning there's guys that are fairly overweight getting it done, but they know what they're capable of. They know what speed they need to go at to, to make a decent shot. Now, there are times, of course, there are times where you have to put a high level of fitness and exertion in and make a shot. I just haven't... Generally, the guys that miss are bad archers. Guys that hit are good archers. Yeah. It doesn't have much to do with the fitness portion of it. The fitness does help. I don't want to get a bunch of emails about that. But what I mean is if you are shooting a paper plate at 80 yards all the time or 100, you're a skilled archer, you're Levi Morgan. I promise you he doesn't have to do any training at all. Make that dude do 20 burpees and make a shot. He is going to make that shot because he's a good archer, not because he's a physical right. freak. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the thing where it's like you separate them, right? Like you, you do your fitness, you make sure you're in killer shape, you shoot, you shoot your bow, you shoot your gun. And those things come together nicely. Like when you do the strategy, like you laid out, it's just like, um, man, it's like, I've never, I've never seen anybody in any situation that that's not like skilled and successful that doesn't do the thing that they're great at when they're calm. You know what I mean? Like that's typically what you see. Let's use Dustin as an example. Um, he came down and hunted with us. I promise you, Dustin missed a few animals. It had nothing to do with his fitness level. Cause the dude's a fucking, <laughs> he's very fit. It was adrenaline. It was maybe yeah. it was cause I was there. It was a situation. It was fast and furious. It was whatever, but it was not fitness. It was, you know, it, it, yeah. it was it was him in that moment. And he wasn't used to that. It was those things, but it wasn't. And his level of fitness is high. I I, I mean, I would consider it fairly high. But it wasn't. He didn't miss because yeah. he he wasn't fit. Yeah, it was that situation. And I mean, I'm not bashing on fitness. I'm a huge proponent of it. But I'm also a, a big proponent of common sense thinking, knowing your body, knowing your bow, and, and being able to assess that. It, and I brought the stocking thing up, but. I don't know you from Adam. I know, uh, you know, you, you, you have the program that you offer. You obviously look really fit. And so when we sat side by side and we plan a stock, I'm on that stock. I'm going to say something to the effect of, all right, Todd, you probably got about 30 minutes and he may get out of his bed. So try to, you know, let's block, the, let's do some time assessment here for the stock. It is up to you at that point, because I'm not going with you to get there in 30 minutes and have your heart rate at a certain level. From that, there's a skill set of assessing how fast you go where, when you run, when you don't, noise levels, things like that. And a lot of the camps that happen now, they really focus on a fitness side of it or a shooting side of it, but they don't focus on actually the total package of putting an animal on the ground, which is what I'm talking about. Now Now I'm going off the deep end. I'll shut up. But No, dude. I think that, I think that's hugely important because it's like – it, it puts everything in its place where it's like, it's, it's three things. It is like, yes, it's the shooting skill. It is the fitness, but it's also the strategy. And it's like, you can be super fit and you can maybe shoot well, but if you don't have this strategy, like you're talking about, it's, it's, it's going to be far more difficult to close the deal. Yeah. And when you talk about like things like animal behavior or whatever else, and you know, that has to come with time and experience in the field and you, you, you know, you can't know that from reading it. I mean, it helps, but you got to work on it. But on, on the, on the fitness side of things, the, the biggest thing on, on that, like that, that I, you know, I, 
one, I no chick ever said, wow, I wish you had smaller arms, right? It's good to look. It's cool to be fit, right? Six dig that shit. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing is, is your life. You just feel better. That's important. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. And, you know, longevity yeah. or whatever else. The next portion, you know, you go into the hunting side of it. You want to get in if you want to, you, you want to get to a point where there is never a mountain too high or too far. You are never scared of right. going. And that also has to do with field craft and skill sets. But I don't know you from Adam. We just started talking. But I guarantee I have no issue dragging your ass anywhere with me because you're fit. Do you have a high level right. skill set in the mountains? I have no fucking idea. We just met. But you're fit. So I can help you out with the rest of it. Yeah. So that's important. Yeah. Rewind it, right? You're not fit. I yeah. can still work with that. You know, but again, that total package. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's all pieces, man. And that's where it's like we 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 put out an, uh, an article on our blog a few a few weeks ago about like assessing your weak points and like really trying to plug those holes. And like like you said, is it what's going to be that limiting factor that gets you where you want to go and keeps you there? Is it is it your is it your lungs? Is it your legs? Is it your ability to stay comfortable in the mountains? Like what's going to get you there and keep you there? And that's what why you have to develop a whole system. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the, um, you know, I'm sure I'm coming off as somewhat of a dick on some of this and I don't mean to, but I, I do try to stress the <laughs> fact that like, look, just fitness is not enough. Just shooting is not enough. And uh, just animal behavior or woodsmanship is not enough. You need them all. But I think you said it best work on all three of them separately because they'll come together after that. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Um, is there anything else? I mean, we've been going all over the place on this. Is there anything else you want to touch on, especially you mentioned where they can come, you know, join the program, how that works, things like that? Sure. Yeah, man. I, I think the biggest thing, like if I could leave with guys, you know, you talked about heart rate, like jumping and not being able to keep it down. And like one of the things that I, I just want to stress is that as much aerobic capacity work as you can do is always going to help you. And that's that work from 100 to 150, where you talk about like where you're on that stock and you got to run and then you got to slow down and then maybe you got to get into an awkward position and what's going to allow you to control your heart rate and get to where you need to be is doing a ton of aerobic capacity work. Like if four, if you can get, you know, three to as many hours per week that your life per permits do that shit. Cause that's, what's going to help you um, control your heart rate. And that's what allows you personally to keep your heart rate like hundred when you're hiking. And so like, I just, people can't, you can't overvalue it. You just can't overvalue it. No, no, for sure. Um, can you tell everybody quickly how your program where I don't want to hop off and miss this, like top to bottom. Sure getting on the program, how it starts, that kind of thing. Yeah. So our main thing that we do is called backcountry ready. And that is uh, a customizable program. So how it works is you come in, you go through an assessment. We do there's mobility testing, there's strength testing, there's conditioning testing. From there, we line you up with the program that work is going to work best for you and help you make the decisions to customize it. My coach Jordan and I, we're on it the whole time. We're guiding you through the process. We're making sure you're dialed in with the exercises. 
We're making sure you're doing the right days of the program for you so you're getting what you need at a time. We're always in tune with that, and then we continue to assess you through the process. So, like, every, like, 13 to 16 weeks, we retest and make sure that you're dialed in depending on where you started and where you need to be. And then within that, we have um, a forum of folks, like, from all over North America, like your buddy Cody, um, a handful of people, a ton, not just a handful, a bunch of people from all over America that you can interact with, like you can, you know, just kind of have a community with. And then from there, we have a ton of resources inside the program that give you the why behind what you do so you can understand it and then also level up and apply the programming as best as possible. So you're getting a program, you're getting it customized to you, you're getting it coached through to help you achieve whatever goal it is that you want to achieve. Yeah. And I, Cody's, uh, a, a, one of my best friends. Um, and he's a big fan of the, the, the program. He actually messaged me. He's like, you're getting them on the podcast. And I was like, uh, yeah. I, and again, I, I saw his post, he drew a sheep and a moose tag this year, which is crazy. And, uh, immediately, I was that like, ass. oh yeah, that's why. And I'm trying to hopefully be able to help him out on both. When I saw that post and I was like, fuck, like two years ago, I was going to, I was going to try to get you guys on the podcast and spaced it out. So I'm glad I saw that. Um, and it's a good, it's a good program. And just doing this podcast with you, some of the things you've said definitely more ring true to me, like the stress testing from burpees and shootings like that. And, and my thoughts on that, and it's probably going to piss people off listening to that, but, um, I haven't correlated it. And I, I think that what we've talked about hopefully shines some light for people to at least think about things when they're getting ready for a hunt. I hope so, man. I hope so. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Well, keep me posted on how the the season goes, and I'm sure we'll get uh, feedback on this, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. So, um, probably try to get you back on maybe after season ends, and uh, especially with feedback I get from different people from their hunts, and you get, we can kind of discuss some of these things again. Yeah, dude, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. Cool. All right, man. Well, I appreciate coming on. Everybody, go check out the program. And and who was your partner again? Jordan Wilcher, yeah. So, and if, if people want to check stuff out, the easiest thing to do is just go to humanpredatorpackmule.com or we're on Instagram too. It's just at humanpredatorpackmule. Cool. All right. Sounds good, man. We'll take it easy and thanks again. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Yep.